I never put much thought into tires in the past. The thought was always to drive what comes on my vehicle. And if I had to replace them, I made my decision based on price. Our friends at Cooper Tires know what they're talking about. Cooper has been an American company since 1914, with more than a century in the tire industry. Each Cooper tire undergoes rigorous testing and are backed by warranty, so you can trust that they'll last for thousands of miles. The Coopers pride themselves on good merchandise, fair play, and a square deal. Always have and always will. Don't overpay or underbuy. Cooper tires do what tires should do and cost what tires should cost. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. And remember, go with the Coopers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Crash Course Podcast. Solly here, joined by the connoisseur of private golf in the Northeast, Neil Schuster. Today we're going to be talking about manufacturers, golf club. Neil, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, member guest season's heating up. I don't have any invites on the calendar. You know, we need we Are need you to begging that. for invites? Is that are you come on call you know, out on the crash course? I, I, I'm putting a call out there. If you need if you need somebody, my game's trending. Hmm. All right. How many how many member guest titles have you won in the Northeast? Uh, I mean, just the one day ones. No, no. I'm a runner up at the at the Rockaway Hunting mm. Club one. Uh, one of a one day one at Baltusrol, the Creek. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't know. I, I. I don't. These opportunities don't come my way. So, I'm um, just hoping you can share. You know, shed some light on on what these experiences have been like. Today, manufacturers. So this is we were on a trip in Philadelphia uh, last month. We actually were able to you know squeeze in some extra golf on the trip that we were that we were on. We we allotted the proper time to get uh, what, what I would call the full fluent experience up in Philadelphia. Uh, what do you what what can, what can you tell us? Set the scene for manufacturers golf club. I absolutely loved the setting, the infrastructure, and this place has a lot of history. So I was looking it up after we played, and it was founded as an eating club by a group of textile uh, industrialist managers in 1887. So they actually had a club like downtown Philadelphia, just kind of a social club. And then they moved in 1925 out to where it is currently, Ridgewood Farm area, uh, I think northwest of, of – definitely west of, of uh, you know, the city – um, and then, you know, William Flynn designed the golf course. Uh, and it was also in this exact area in hmm. November of 1777, George Washington established the White Marsh Encampment. Do you know what that is? I do. And I did not know that until until preparing for this podcast. The whole time we were out there, I did not the know Continental that. Continental Army, baby. They spent six weeks out there trying to, you know, protect supplies for uh, Philadelphia. The Redcoats tried to come out and, uh, you know, it sounds like they did a little guerrilla warfare. And then everybody... Everybody skedaddled, and and then Valley Forge was uh, where they camped for the winter. So that was uh, that was cool. It's just like right on the property was where uh, the Continental Army was hanging out uh, way back in the day. So I, I love that kind of stuff, and I felt like the property it felt like a giant crater, like uh, and and the the clubhouse sits up on the you know kind of the highest point way up on one side of this rim, and then you drop down in right off the first tee. You know, kind of a shot that reminded me of Riviera, the first tee out in L.A., I, just from TV. I've never played there, but kind of, one, you know, a very much a handshake opener. And then you kind of weave in and out, and then um, 
you know, you come back out and on the back nine, you almost play around the rim, like the, uh, I think the south side of the property or kind of like the, uh, the far side of the property. And then you come back, you know, on 18, come back up to the clubhouse. So both nine and, uh, more so 18, you got to finish kind of at the, with these uphill shots or these greens that are built into this hill with the clubhouse above. So it gives a really good setting, you know, big kind of estate. Uh, the clubhouse is very, um, very regal looking up on the hill. Big stone clubhouse. Yeah, the stones which were dug out from the limestone from the quarry in which the eighth hole was built, uh, which we'll talk about, was used for the clubhouse. And it's it's awesome. It's majestic. It reminded me of St. George's Hill in London, just how high up on on this hill, this mound, or this almost mountain that the the clubhouse sits, looking down on the whole property. You can see it from the whole golf course. And uh, again, characterized what golf courses were like that were built in the 1920s. It's all in one big field. The, ho- the holes all kind of run next to each other. Of course, the outside holes touch up against boundary properties and, and out of bounds and whatnot. But for the most part, there's a hole next to you. You can see the other people playing the golf course, and it's not weaving through neighborhoods and needs to be tackled in a golf cart, uh, which is something that I, I really enjoy. Although this this course is much better enjoyed, I think, in a cart because of uh, how severe some of the ups and downs are. Um, but and and It we'll- felt like a, a bigger ballpark than, say, like Rolling Green, um, where – it's not – I didn't think it was a long golf course, but there's a lot of uh, – I don't want to say dead areas, but like um, heather grass, mm-hmm. which when you have these long sight lines, you can see all the way across the property. It's cool when you get the like visual juxtaposition of like green fairways, really high heather grass, and then the next fairway. And, and so you don't feel – it doesn't feel tight, but you are kind of switching back on holes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the land is used really well. It doesn't feel like it's uh, claustrophobic at all. Awesome green shapes and complexes and firmness and speed. And, you know, we touched on this in the rolling green episode that the greens were just dialed up too much, whereas manufacturers felt like it was playing at the exact proper firmness and speed for what the challenge was in front of us, right? It was possible to get close to holes, possible to hole putts. Yet at the same time, there's some big slopes, big gradual slopes on these greens that if you're not careful, you're still running one way by if you're not aware of how downhill a putt might be or where the influences are on the green and where you want to be coming in from, uh, you know, into some of these greens. It was, it was a full on test and challenge. And, uh, I am very much here for manufacturers. I was quite impressed by it. Um, so, uh, all right. So what, what, what sticks out to you, I guess, I think is a good course to kind of go through, not necessarily hole by hole, but I'll say in preparing for this, the holes were extremely easy to rem- remember a few weeks later. And I would say that is, one, not always the case, and two, definitely a, a sign of a good golf course. Agreed. Yeah. I think uh, it, the first couple, um, the first one felt very handshakeable, and then the second one I think is, is we played a, a temporary green, but I, I really like the look of that where you're approaching it over a creek. But did and you again, get eased? Did you get caught like I did with after the first hole? I was like, oh, a little driving pitch course. Here we yes, go. Let's go yes. get after it. And <laughs> Not the case. Specifically for the par three, uh, that was like a, you know, that was a devilish little hole. And then it starts in number five. I really liked five. You're hitting over this creek again. Similar to rolling green. There's not, you know, other than the, the a couple holes with the quarry on it, which are great, there's not a um, – it's it's very subtle hazards, very subtle issues where you're like, oh, I should be fine there, and then you're like, ah, actually, I'm not fine there. Hmm. Uh, I'm on the wrong side of the fairway, and you know, there's a big number waiting for me up at this green. 
Um, so that's that's the kind of it's good. It's kind of a sign, or a, I think symbolic of Philly golf of like you're. You know, you better watch out because you're going to get beat up if you're if you're not careful around here. <laughs> well, and that's what I just you know once you get to yeah three is a long par four that plays you know the approach shot plays uphill to a big green but heavily contoured green for a par four of that length and then the number four that par three you mentioned that's kind of it's building like the side of a hill and I just kept looking at that hole with admiration of like how did they make this in the 1920s right I mean how did how did they carve out tee boxes? Were they playing off level lies? This green sits flat-ish, but like the rest of the hole all sits on this side hill. And then you climb up the tee, the, up the hill to tee off on five. And again, the, these, this tee box is just kind of built into the side of this hill that is tough to traverse. It's a tough little climb on foot up the up these hills. And I, I just had great appreciation for all the all the way that they use the natural land shape yet shape tee boxes into these holes to uh, to work against the edge of the property. And I think it's where we kind of learned about the Golf Association of Philadelphia, the, the gap and the inner. We mentioned on the Rolling Green pod that we did, but the the inner club matches. This oh, place God. struck me as like if you're going like there's probably I don't know how many courses they play at, but how much fun would it be to go around and play competitive rounds at these places and it just, I, I God, that just seems like so much fun. And all these clubs have like four or five teams. It just feels like an awesome, awesome environment. Um, if you're, you know, if you're trying to play golf competitively, this was a, a perfect course for for that kind of uh, competition. Well, and I felt a little just exposed on some of these courses in general, just from playing so much Florida golf. I feel like I've gotten maybe you know too dialed into just what are very flat shots balls sitting very level in terms of where it is in relation to my feet shots not playing uh, you know rather up or downhill whereas i felt like it manufactures is a great place like to your point where you have it is a full on test like it's every aspect it's much more i always whenever the ball's above my feet or below my feet or i'm playing up or downhill shots i always feel way more connected to uh, to the, oh, this is super douchey. I feel much more connected to the game, right? Whereas you know you're playing the game of golf versus playing golf swing, and and on Florida when you're the the shots just become very stock. I feel very much connected to my golf swing. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's it's almost similar to playing in the wind. Yes. Um, where it's like okay, just I feel just it have, out. You got to feel what I'm gonna do here. This ball's. It has to come out left to right. It's below my feet, but you know, so you got to kind of compensate. It's total feel, and I I, I play better. Um, I think it makes me a better golfer when I'm thinking that way instead of just you know hit this stock shot one se- exactly 172 from a flat line. Mm-hmm. And, and gosh, I, I feel like we could almost break down every hole that finishes the front nine. You know, there's uh, six is a great par three up the hill, long iron par three. I, I noticed this. Uh, this was a theme at a lot of the courses. Is like uh, your long irons get a workout on par threes, and I think, you know, I don't know if that's modernization of the game that these these holes have been lengthened some, or you know, just back in the day, par threes were viewed as like almost like drivable fours. Uh, that's what they felt like. They were. I think we had to hit four or five irons on the up on the uphill par three sixth, and then. The par fives are never long at these places, uh, very gettable seventh hole. But then you turn over to the eighth, and for me, that's it's an obvious choice. But that was the highlight hole of the entire trip. The quarry hole. I, I mean, it's just sick. This awesome short par three. It sits between, you know, between mounds across this quarry. You almost get more of appreciation for the shot once you get 
up to the green. I think it played like 118 or something for us uh, on this day. And yeah, it, it just, it, it really stuck out. And it's, as soon as you drive around the hole to the back part, you look back and like, holy shit, this hole, one, is very different than the rest of the course, and two, just awesome part three. It reminded me a, a ton of the mass hole in uh, mm-hmm. at, at Waterville in, in Ireland. You know, just kind of taking what is a supposed to be just a short part three and, and giving it a little character. I think they used the stone in there to build the clubhouse. Uh, I hope that I heard that right. But You heard that just, from me earlier on in this episode. You're exactly correct. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a great, um, you know, it's a great little story and, and kind of, I don't know, a unique hole on the course. I, I think there's also 16, which yes. I absolutely loved, which has a quarry on the right side of the green. I thought that was my favorite hole out there all day. Uh, kind of a shorter par four. You could you can hit driver up the left or kind of lay back, you know, and not challenge the bunker and the quarry. But then you, if you're on the right, if you miss right, you have a blind shot in over this quarry that runs right up, almost like a, a lake with right on the edge of the front right of the green. Um, so I thought that hole was really unique and and very strategic. I, I thought that was my favorite. We got to talk about. Your so you hit one. I forget what you hit off the tee, but you kind of pushed it short right. The last place you really want to be on that hole in the right rough, firm greens. This whole quarry that you have to cover getting into the green. You had one sixty in. Can we talk about the the club choices that, that that went on in this in this part of the process? I've been waiting to talk to you about this. Yeah, well, I we kind of had to figure out do some Pythagorean theorem to figure out how far I was because we couldn't get a look at this at the flag from where I was. So I think we came up with like one sixty. And I had to clear the, the pin was up, so I was like, I got to clear 155 at least. And I think I wanted to just a classic case of, well, I just want to cl- I want to clear the hazard. You know, I'm hitting eight. I want to clear the hazard. You and wanted hit, seven iron. You well, wanted to hit. Seven. I was like, I'm taking that. This is the thing in front of me. I'm taking it out of play. And we went back and forth. I ended up hitting nine iron, and I cleared the hazard. I think barely. And then of course it. it I think I got a tough bounce off the fringe, and it rolls all the way to the back of the green. Um, it so was, I made a comfy five, but it was a good. I thought it was a good. Uh, it was a good process, and it was a good shot. A blind, you know, blind nine iron that I'm just praying carries at least 156, and and it did. I I went through a, a bit of a crisis in that moment. Was like, all right, you're my partner. We're at a key part in the match. We needed to win the hole to stay alive. Um, we're playing an awesome match against uh, Sean, our host, and then Chris, who's an awesome mid-am player in Philly. And uh, I had a, a choice in that moment. It was like, man, if he hits seven iron, this is going to go so comically far over the green, and it might be kind of funny. I might just let him do it. Or, like, are we trying to win this match? Because I almost tried to get you to hit wedge because it was out of the rough. Like, a ball was going to jump. And... It wasn't a great lie, though. And if no. I did hit seven, I would have been choking up. And But it wasn't, it wasn't the right club. I came to the right <laughs> decision. I just had to get there myself. Uh, but you did. I do want to call out that uh, – you know, speaking of Philly golf and and just like it feels like there's some dudes out there. And Chris was oh a my god absolute dog. Like the way he hit the hit the golf ball and he's playing in all these club matches. I'm like, man, there are some studs playing around here. You would get really good at golf if you're playing Philly golf uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. I just want to shout out, give Chris a shout out for just hitting the shit out of the golf ball all day and just like pure, not just like recklessly bashing it, but pure and long like he was yeah. like he said he hit his driving iron like 255 comfortably uh, in the air 
And I believe every bit of that. Like he had, I'm, I, I am not, you and I are both not short hitters by any means. And there was a par three where I hit four iron and he was hitting six iron and was just like, yeah. oh, that, all right, that's what a real mid am player he had some, looks like. He had some serious compression. Yes. He kind of had the short backswing going too, you know, like a, a Rom and Finau vibe going where he just generated a ton of speed in a very compact swing. I want to shout out the ninth hole as well. Uh, short par five that plays dead straight back up to the clubhouse. It's it's only about 480, something like that. But I found this a very good hole. It's, it's you know, you got to hit the fairway because it's really hard. Uh, you play the, the, the second shot plays kind of down and back up severely to the screen side. It's a heavily tier, two-tier green, big backstop on the upper tier. And then the front part of the green, which is where the pin was, is split. You know, there's a, a huge tier that it sits right down the middle of the green. And so if you hit it on the back part of that green, if the greens were any faster than they were, you could not keep it on the green. I, I hit it up there in two. I hit like a eight iron or a nine iron out of the rough that jumped and just got all the way to the back. And I honestly was looking at places to put it into the rough. It's kind of like the 16th green at Pasa Tiempo, but just, just two tiers instead of three. In terms of if you try to put it down that tier, it is going to go off the green and then 50 yards back down the fairway. And I decided to just go for it, and I hit the perfect putt, and it was maybe one or two revolutions away from going all the way down, 50 yards down the fairway. But it's a short five. Like, that's the defense. The defense is the green. Don't end up on the wrong tier, and you can make an easy birdie. But if you are on the wrong tier, it becomes a struggle for par. And I I found that to be an interesting golf hole. Yeah. We got to talk about 18 as yes. well. The, uh, the 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 two green situation on 18. So there's an upper green, uh, and then there's a lower green, which we played to as I think we played it as a par four mm-hmm. to the lower green. I loved it. I thought I can see how people would view it as a little gimmicky, but it almost creates this this you know uh, bet hole or you know kind of a bet settler of like par three where you can play this really really uphill par three after playing the the par four the lower green. Um, or you can play the 18th as a par five and play all the way up this hill to the clubhouse. And of course, to get up to that green, you got to take this old school elevator trolley, you know, funicular thing. kind of thing. I loved it. I, that it was, was awesome. The best infrastructure, maybe, that I've seen. And you know how much I love infrastructure. Just truly old school mechanical engineering up the hill. Uh, throw your bag on. It felt like I was, uh, you know, we were riding up a roller coaster. I love par fives, so when they were like, yeah, there's a par four or a par five, we can play either one. I, I was like on the tee like, oh, let's play the par five. Like, come on, I want a birdie. And then you see where the, the what the hole is and where the green is. It's so dramatically uphill that it's like not even reachable in two. And I was kind of like, ah, yeah, I'm good. We can play the lower green. That's fine. I, I do like, I think the hole's a lot better with the lower green. It's a really cool green site and, and a cool green. Um, and then, yeah, you can use that upper green as kind of a – you can hit a pitch up the hill and, and play that as a, a, a 19th hole or a bet settler, like you said. I, I like the course playing that way more than playing up the, the up the par five. And so. it's cool. It, I, I also got the sense, going back to the, you know, the competitive golf vibes that we were seeing, how that's an arena at the end of you – know, like, again, like Riv, you know, people sit, sitting on that hill watching groups come in if it's a club championship. It just feels like a really good – finisher for uh you know the the club the community uh for people to watch um any tournaments that are coming in so i thought that was a good finishing hole i thought the 14th hole was really good too at par four it's tough uh it's got a really cool kicker on the front left that helps you kind of run balls up the whole hole kind of cants from left to right 
And uh, I, I think I preferred the front nine over the back nine, but the 14th hole really kind of stuck out to me as being one of the uh, one of the better holes on, on that back nine. But another uh, the 11th hole, too, is another uphill long iron par three. It's similar to that sixth hole. Uh, and then another long part three, the thirteenth hole. This is it's kind of yeah. what I started to realize that the the men were separating from the boys. You and I lost, I think, four straight holes there, and kind of got our clocks cleaned a little bit. We won the front nine, if I may say, but the boys, the the Philly boys, closed us out uh, pretty pretty easily, handily on the back nine. Yeah, you uh, you nailed it earlier. You kind of lulls you into thinking you're just gonna hit you know driver wedge, and I we I hit a ton of long irons. Yeah, not only on the part threes, but just even just trying to get in the right spot off the tee on some of these par fours, you're laying back and hitting six and seven irons in. And it's not so. a crazy long golf course, right? It's not, you know, it's not 500 yard par fours. It's just the way the contours worked. And, and, you know, it just, it was, it was difficult. It was yeah. a great challenge. And uh, yeah, I walked off feeling like, Ooh, I play here every day. I'd get a lot better at golf, but. All right. Well, what'd you shoot? I don't know. What did I shoot? I think 76, 77, something along those lines. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. I what shot did, 82. Okay. Um, and I played, again, I thought I played good. Uh, I had a few train wrecks, you know, one or two doubles. Uh, definitely two doubles at least. Um, kind of lost the momentum. But, you know, listen, we're trending in the right direction. I 82 is one of those numbers I, I hate, though. Like, if I shot 83, I'd be like, I didn't have it today. If I shot 81, I'd be like, all right. But when 82 <laughs> is just that number for me, it just pisses me off. Yeah. It's like it always ends up, it's like magnetic for me, which which bugs me. I had thirty-seven forty. I double. I hit one OB on the fifth hole, which was totally inexcusable. Uh, doubled the par three eleventh hole. I had a I had a double bogey bogey stretch on eleven through thirteen uh, that really hurt. The rest of the day, I actually played pretty decent on this day, but um, gosh, just felt felt very exposed, like you said, against Chris in terms of uh, what a what a real mid end player looks like. And and well, what, but I will say we won the front nine. Yeah, that was and then. And then we got our clocks cleaned on the. We were on the, talking the trash the too. Match. They yeah. took it. They very much took it yeah. personal. Starting on ten, it was just like, <laughs> all right, I guess we're not. Yeah, that's not. This didn't happen anymore. Um, but it's it's a. It, we had a lunch out on the patio, like you said, kind of looking down at the whole arena and the uh, and the the whole ballpark, and it was a place that it felt very just home, local, like uh, of a place I would absolutely be thrilled to be a member. And I, I don't know what the rates are like. But just in talking to some some people at other clubs in the area, I think we'd be very pleasantly surprised at the affordability of a lot of the uh, a lot of the the second tier clubs in Philadelphia. It's not the same like it's not it doesn't seem like it's price gouging out there. Well, it seems like there's a lot of competition, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. so they they kind of there's a lot of options if you want to play golf in Philly. If you want to join a club, it seems like there's a lot of places to do it, and you you'd be happy with with uh, you know with most of them. So. I, I was I, th- I didn't know anything about manufacturers and I was um, I was very pleasantly surprised. Well, I was hoping you would sneak in some kind of thing like you know I'm a strap boy like manufacturers kind of the blue collar place for sure. Of course that speaks to me. That's why I love the the trolley. Like God, that thing the chains were so greased up. Like I just thought those chains were gonna snap when we were heading up the hill. And I was you know? gonna hit you with the membership. The original membership was made up largely of textile manufacturing executives yeah. from the area, which was it's just it's just perfect. Like that that's exactly your vibe. Fake strap, but really you're no, the exact. <laughs> I'm a listen. They're making shit. I'm making I'm making apparel. They were making textiles. I would have fit right in out there. <laughs> the textile exec. Back when they Neil made Schuster. shit in this country. That's that's what that's what manufacturers is all about. <laughs> 
All right. Anything else from from uh, from Manny's, which is the local slang? Now that we've played there, we can call it Manny's. But uh, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, no. I think it's. I think we nailed it. So. Uh, definitely a place we'd love to love to revisit yet at the same time. Gosh, there's just so many, as we've said, so many damn good places in Philly that we want to want to try to get to as many as possible. So uh, thanks to Sean for having us out. Thanks to the club for having us out and for whooping our ass in the match. And uh, we'll get we'll get revenge one of these days. So, Neil, thanks for helping me debrief, bud. Talk to you later. Of course. See you, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.